This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for February 28th, 2018. In this episode, we'll have some considerations and tips if you're thinking about joining Apple's developer or public beta programs. Plus, Apple disarms the text bomb bug, but a new bug appears affecting sparse disk images on its APFS file system. And security researchers discover new malware and a pair of remote access trojans. We'll have the details. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. In last week's episode, we talked about an interesting security threat to Apple's messages. If you received a certain Unicode character in a message, it could crash messages. And in last week's episode, I said it was probable that Apple would have released a fix for this by the time the episode was released, and Apple did. They've updated all their operating systems. So, for example, iOS 11.2.6, High Sierra 10.13.3, they've updated tvOS and watchOS. So this bug, which we both said was a bit surprising, has been fixed now. Yeah, and that's similar to what Apple did um, just recently when there was another uh, text bomb type bug that that affected both macOS and and iOS. Um, Apple's been pretty quick with their turnaround with re, uh, with patching those kind of bugs. Now Apple did not release the the bigger updates, especially um, iOS eleven point three, which we knew is coming soon. Um, instead, they released an interim update, 11.2.6, just to, to mainly fix that bug. Right. And there are beta versions of 11.3 that are circulating and of the next version of macOS and watchOS and all that. But for now, the public versions have been delayed a little bit more. In, in the second part of the show, we're going to talk about using beta software. But there was some other interesting news this week, wasn't there? Yeah, I heard something about APFS. There was a bug in this new Apple file system. Um, can you tell us about that? Well, the file system is the software on a disk that organizes where the files are so that when the computer is looking for a specific file, it doesn't just search across the disk to find it. It looks in, in what's called a catalog, and the catalog says, well, this file is in sector 8,212 through sector 8,360, whatever it is. So Apple changed the file system in macOS with the latest version, macOS High Sierra. They also changed the file system in iOS 10, so that was more than a year ago. The new file system is called APFS, or Apple File System. And software developer Mike Bombich discovered that he had found that there was a bug in sparse disk images when writing data. Now, a disk image is a sort of a virtual file that you can create. You might see this a lot when you download software and you double click it and you get a window that opens with an installer. The disk image is kind of like a, a way of packaging a number of files. And, and disk images are interesting because uh, I'll link to an article on the Intego Mac security blog. You can create an encrypted disk image on your computer and you can put files in it and they're very highly protected. Even if someone accesses the computer, they won't be able to get into the disk image. A sparse disk image is a little bit different. While a regular disk image is a fixed size, let's say 50 megabytes or one gigabyte, a sparse disk image expands as you write to it. So it starts at a certain size, and the more data you put in it, the bigger it gets. These disk images are notably used for time machine backups on network volumes. So if you're backing up your laptop to a an Apple time capsule, for instance, there's a sparse image that's created. And with every additional backup, the image gets a little bigger. 
So basically, there was a problem here with the way files are written. The free space doesn't update correctly. There aren't enough error messages given, so it's hard to know that there's a problem. Essentially, what it means is that you might lose data if you put it on a APS-formatted sparse disk image. Hmm. So what can we do about this? Is, has there been a, any announcement by Apple of how this is going to be resolved? Uh, not yet. It's very possible that we're going to see this in one of the next updates to the operating system. I think the best thing is to just not use APS formatted sparse disk images. Now, if you don't know what that means, you probably won't encounter it, but there is some software that does create disk images and you may not realize what it's doing. Not that many people use disk images. I think what would worry me more is the fact that when you're doing a time machine backup, it's done by the system and you don't even know about the disk image. Maybe worth doing a second time machine backup. It's always better to do a time machine backup with a hard drive connected to your computer. If you have a laptop and it doesn't have a drive connected to it all the time, you can connect it to it once a day because the laptop makes its own backups every hour without telling you. And when you connect the drive, it'll copy them all to the external drive. Whenever you put a time machine backup on a network volume, there are problems. When I used to do this, every couple of months I would get a message, oh, there's a problem with your time machine backup. You need to start over. So basically, you have to erase all your backup history. Hmm. Okay. Well, so it sounds like at least that's something that Apple will be patching in a future version, possibly in the next versions that we were talking about with uh, the, those beta versions that are being tested right now. Yeah, this is this is a really important bug. Meanwhile, over at Intego, the, the security researchers found some new malware. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because over the weekend, there were um, a, a couple of different research groups, one in Intego and and uh, and also Patrick Wardle, who we've mentioned before, did his own research. And we, we uh, independently discovered different types of malware over the same weekend, which is kind of funny. Let, let me guess. This has something to do with Flash Player. Ah, yes. So that's that's not a bad guess, because a lot of times we see these Flash Trojans. So it's something that pretends to be Adobe Flash Player. And what it actually is, is malware. And, and it, all it really does is infect your system, even though it's pretending to be some legitimate software. And this is something that you'll find really all over the Internet. If If you look at a website wrong, you'll probably end up getting a fake Flash Player pop up. And so what happened this time is that the Intego research team found a torrent website. And uh, by torrent, we're talking about, you know, the BitTorrent protocol. These are websites that leverage the peer-to-peer BitTorrent protocol, mostly to distribute pirated content, but not only. For example, if you use Linux on a computer, you'll probably be downloading your Linux distribution over BitTorrent because it, it spreads out the, the bandwidth and the usage over a number of people. And so there, there are a number of these torrent search sites, and one of these sites was found to be linking to this new malware, where when a user would attempt to select a link to, to copy a link from this website, they would be redirected to this fake Flash Player page telling you that you need to install the latest version of Flash Player. And depending on what browser you were using, if you were using Firefox, and uh, and you clicked on this link to download, it would pop up a little uh, pointer, a little arrow pointing to where in Firefox you have the user interface element that shows that a file was recently downloaded. If you happen to be using Chrome, 
it would point to the, the bottom left corner of the window and say, oh, look, you know, click down here on this disk image that you just downloaded. Well, what I find really funny about this is that Chrome actually does not need to be updated. Its Flash Player is actually built into the browser, and yet, you know, most people really don't know that. And so they're just going to dutifully, oh, yeah, okay, I need to update Flash Player. Oh, that happens again. Okay, well, it happens every month, so I guess I'll just go ahead and do it. And the problem is that this is not actually Adobe telling you that you need to update your Flash Player. This is some malicious website that is foisting malware on your computer by tricking you. So what I find interesting is that this malware contains code-signed shell scripts. Now, shell scripts are basically a series of, of Unix commands, but code signing is something that's done through an Apple developer account. Don't you have to have a developer account to be able to code sign it? In other words, Apple is is it's a sort of a certificate proving that you're a legitimate developer. Yeah, there, there are different ways to do code signing, but certainly the most common way and, and the Apple-sanctioned way is to go through the Apple developer program. And something that we're actually seeing a lot more of lately is malware actually signing their code using an Apple developer account. Now, you, you know, if, if you want to get an Apple developer account that has code signing privileges, you have to spend $99 a year. Well, that's not a big deal for somebody who's developing malware because they're probably making a lot more money than that if they're, you know, stealing your bitcoins or whatever they might be doing. Um, sometimes in this case, even just injecting adware on your machine is the the main goal of this OS X Schlayer malware dropper. But doesn't Apple shut down these nefarious accounts? Oh, sure. Yeah, but... Uh, and, and in fact, Apple already has um, revoked the privileges of these. Uh, there were three developer accounts that were associated with this malware. And uh, Apple has already revoked the the developer uh, certificates. And But that doesn't really stop this malware, right? Because the, the problem is that it was already distributed to who knows you know, how many people before Apple revoked those certificates. Right. So the Mac only checks the code signing at the moment that you install it. After that, it doesn't check again. Right, right. And so that, that's that's where it gets a little bit tricky is, is Apple has to update its systems so that your system will know that that developer certificate's been revoked. And there's a, a little bit of a lag typically between when that malware first starts to be available to the public and when Apple revokes the certificates or releases you know updates to prevent it. So what can you do if you're afraid that you've been infected by this malware? Well, the, the best thing to do, of course, that we would recommend if, if you don't currently have uh, Intego Virus Barrier X9 installed, you can, at the very least, to, to clean up after the fact, you can download Virus Barrier Scanner, which is free on the Mac App Store. Of course, we recommend that you have active uh, antivirus protection on your machine, and that will in most cases, prevent malware from actually even being installed in the first place, which is what you really want. You don't want to ever be infected and then have to clean it up after the fact if you can avoid it. So that's not the only malware that you've come across this week, is it, Josh? No. Interestingly, there, as I mentioned, uh, Patrick Wardle also discovered a RAT, a remote access tool or Trojan. And this one's called Cold Root. And what it does is is kind of interesting. This is something that we've actually seen other malware do before. Keyloggers typically exploit this particular technique. So there's a database 
on Macs. This is this is a file that's uh, you know hidden away somewhere in your operating system, a legitimate Apple file called tcc.db. And what that file does is it's just a database that keeps track of which apps on your Mac are allowed to use the accessibility features. So one of the things that malware can actually do is if it has access to that uh, to certain accessibility related privileges, it can exploit that to log keystrokes on your machine. So when you're typing something, it can log it to a file and it doesn't have to prompt you or, or do anything obvious on your system. And sometimes what malware will do is to actually inject itself directly into this database without going through the system preferences dialog box like you normally would need to do to approve an application to have this privilege it'll inject itself directly into that database. And so what Wordle did was he looked on VirusTotal, which is, uh, which is a website where you can upload an individual file and have it scanned by a number of different antivirus engines. And he did a search on VirusTotal for anything that was accessing that database. And he found something new that wasn't detected by most antivirus engines. And so that's how he came across Coldroot. Interestingly enough, there's another rat that people were talking about this week. And this other one is called Evil OS X. And this is one that um, has actually been around for a while, but people are kind of discovering that there's a new version of it and, and so forth. In interesting name. Maybe someone's going to name some malware Tulip Blossom OS X one day instead of Evil <laughs> Rat or something like that. Yeah. Oh, boy. We got rats all over the place lately. Just a quick explanation. So you were talking about how this malware exploits the accessibility settings. You can find this setting in system preferences. It's not under accessibility. It's under security and privacy in the privacy tab. And then you scroll down to accessibility. And you may see on your Mac that there are a number of apps that have already been checked. And when an app needs to access your system in certain ways, you'll get a dialogue that you have to go to this preference pane, unlock the padlock. So you have to log in as an administrator and then check to allow this to happen. Now I'm looking at mine. Dropbox requests this access Safari requests this access, script editor, which is used for Apple script, which maybe a lot of people don't use. So it's not uncommon for apps to request this access. They need to do this to be able to control certain parts of the system. Right. So, Josh, we're seeing a, a real increase in malware for the Mac, aren't we? Yeah. The, you know, last year there was tons and tons of Mac malware. There were there was a month, I think, where we had like five or six brand new types of malware for the Mac. Okay, now hold on a second, because Windows users will say, tons and tons, ha ha, surely you jest. Because in Windows, you'd get five new malwares in five minutes. <laughs> well, okay. I suppose you have a lot more malware typically on a Windows machine, or you're more susceptible to malware in the sense that there's just more out there. Right. But, but, it, but in a real sense, Macs are really just as vulnerable as any other system. And because Macs are kind of an interesting target, they're increasingly being targeted by these malware developers. So, you know, you've got CEOs of major corporations who are using Macs. You know, anytime you see a public figure who's using a Mac, you know, that adds to this, uh, you know, mindset that, that malware developers have of, oh, interesting people use Macs. <laughs> Maybe I should develop some malware for Macs. Yeah. And, and that they're prime targets. Yeah. That you can target them through spear phishing, which is which is sending phishing emails precisely to a single person. And if they click the link and install the malware on their Mac, 
then you could eventually get access to their files. I think the last time we saw this much increase in Mac malware was maybe six or eight years ago, and I don't remember exactly what happened. But all of a sudden, there was one year where there was a lot of new malware. There was this flashback botnet that came around. So these were flash and bogus flash installers that were installing malware that was creating a network of zombie computers that would be controlled remotely. And there was a lot of work to stamp that out. Intego was at the forefront of that, having discovered a number of the variants of, of flashback. And it's interesting that we're seeing another rise right now in in the amount of malware targeting Macs. Yeah, and, and it's lots of different researchers who are continually discovering these different samples. Um, sometimes people are just coming across these in the wild, not even trying to be malware researchers, but they're just their systems are getting infected and they're posting on forums. And what is this? I think my computer is behaving strangely. And uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing that happening. I mean, that's already happened several times uh, j this year, and we're still like practically at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's only February. And, and as you say, we're, we're seeing, you know, half a dozen a month is, is a lot of malware for the Mac. Obviously, there, there's only two things you can do. The, the first is to surf responsibly. Don't click on links that look suspicious. Think twice before you click on a link in an email and all that. And the second is to install antivirus software. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do happen to get one of these, you know, uh, your flash player needs to be updated. Well, here, here's a couple of tips about that. <laughs> so if you're browsing a site and it says that it needs flash, don't trust it. Don't assume that that's legitimate. Okay. If, if it's a site that you know needs to run flash content in order for you to really be able to use the site, use Google Chrome because it has Flash Player built in. You don't have to worry about, you know, installing a separate plugin or making sure your plugin is up to date. As long as you have your Chrome browser up to date, then your Flash Player in, embedded in that browser is up to date. And Chrome updates automatically. So you really don't have to worry too much about that. If you haven't launched it in a while, launch it. Click on the Apple menu about Chrome, and you might see something saying that an update is downloading or that you need to restart it because the, the update downloads automatically. When you quit Chrome and relaunch it, then it installs the update. And if you get a new Mac and you know, you're tempted to install Flash Player on it, just avoid it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Flash is just bad. You, you don't need Flash. Any website that depends on Flash is going to be an old website. No one uses that anymore as, as the prime interface element for a website. Right, or at least nobody should be. There's, there's very few websites that legitimately are still using Flash and developing in Flash. Adobe has actually announced that Flash Player is going to be terminated at the end of 2020. So we've only got a couple of years left before it's gone. It's not getting any more updates. At least that's what Adobe says. No more security updates after the end of 2020. We're done with it. So if you've got a, a, a new Mac, don't install the plugin. If you must access a site that has legitimate Flash content, use Google Chrome until Chrome yanks it out. And then just don't bother with those sites anymore. After the break, we'll come back and talk about whether it's a good idea to install beta software on your Mac, your iPhone, or your iPad. Sometimes an offer comes along that you just can't ignore or resist. And here's one from Intego right now. For a limited time, and for the first time ever, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get 60% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, 
parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download your free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout to save 60%. That's Intego Podcast to save 60% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. This is a limited time offer that may never be repeated, so you must act soon. Save 60% on Mac Premium Bundle X9, or Mac Washing Machine Secure X9, or Mac Internet Security X9 using the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today and save 60%. So Apple once again released beta versions of its new operating systems. And we were mentioning earlier about having a developer account. And for $99 a year, you have a developer account and you get pre-release access to Apple software. This is iOS, macOS, tvOS, and watchOS. And as they add more software, you'll get access to that too. If you don't want to spend $99 a year, you can wait a little bit and you can join the public betas. I don't think they do the public beta for tvOS, but they do for iOS and macOS. So I've had a developer account for years. I write about Apple products. I often need to be able to write about a new operating system before it's released. So for example, when High Sierra came out last year, I had been using the betas for a couple of months, and that way I was able to write about it the day it was released. In fact, write in advance, because we know that about 10 days before the final version is seeded to developers. So that gives us a heads up. A lot of individuals have decided that they want to run the beta software as well. And these are what you would call enthusiasts. And rather than spend the $99 a year, they get on the public beta program, which, as I said, it releases the same beta, but a little bit later. Have you ever done this, Josh? Um, yeah, mostly with uh, with Mac OS. Um, I, I've, I've not decided to take the plunge because I, I don't have a spare iPhone or iPad or something lying around. And I'm a little bit hesitant to run beta software on my phone that I need for communication. But uh, but yeah, Mac OS, um, I, I usually have a spare Mac somewhere that I can I can install it on and take a look at the upcoming features. Right. And even if you don't have a spare Mac, you can install it on an external hard drive. Sure. When you boot your Mac, you press the option key, you select that drive. It's a little bit slower than when it's on the internal drive. But what I use is I have a, an SSD that connects to my laptop over USB 3, and it's relatively fast. For iOS, I have an iPod Touch that I bought, wow, three years ago, I think was the last iPod Touch update, because as you said, there's no way I'm going to put it on my iPhone. And and Apple warns people, and, and anyone who distributes beta software warns people that you should never use it on a production device. And production means for those of us in the business, the, the computer that's running your business's database and, and, and accounting software and all of that. For you and me, it's the iPhone in our pockets. You wouldn't want to put it on there. Beta software is interesting because you do get to try out new features. And I remember in particular, what was it, a year and a half, two years ago, when Apple released Apple Music, it was available in an iOS beta for a couple of months before it was publicly released in the fall. And that gave me an opportunity to get to know how this service worked. But there are lots of risks in running beta software. It, it's unstable. It's unreliable. It's dangerous. You could lose all your data. 
Yeah, there, there's always a risk. There's a trade-off between getting to try out the new features and see what's coming and the, the possibility that you may lose data. It's it, it, There's always a chance of that happening. And Apple's very, very clear about that. Um, when Before you install beta software, they let you know that there is a risk. Yeah, and so uh, previously this used to be only available to people with the developer accounts. And the reason developers do this is because they need to test their software with the upcoming operating system. Because imagine you depend on a certain app and Apple releases an update to Mac OS and all of a sudden that app is broken because the developer didn't know that something was changed in Mac OS. So the point of this beta software is more for developers and even companies that make hardware that attach to Macs and, and iPhones for them to be able to test it. But for individuals, it, it's a lot more of an iffy situation. And, and I happen to know someone who does this on his iPhone all the time. He keeps putting the iOS betas and he keeps complaining that they crash. And, you know, you, you just have to, this is playing without a net here. There's no, there's no going back in an iOS device. You can't boot your iOS device off an external drive like you can do with a Mac. It can be interesting to know what's coming up, but in most cases, these new features really aren't going to change your life. Now, I mentioned Apple Music a while back, and one of the features that's supposed to be in iOS 11.3 is AirPlay 2. AirPlay 2 is supposed to improve the syncing of audio when you're streaming to multiple devices. It's supposed to make network dropouts occur less frequently. If you really need AirPlay 2 before it's released, or you're just curious, it might be worth doing. But of course, Apple pulled AirPlay 2 from the latest beta because apparently it doesn't work very well. So it's really a bit of a crapshoot. And, and that's kind of funny, too, because I, I think this is at least the second time that that AirPlay 2 has been a planned feature in an, in an upcoming version of iOS. And then it got yanked kind of at the last minute. It's it's coming. <laughs> Evidently, some at some point, Apple said that it's supposed to be coming this year, I believe. But uh, I guess they're going to hold off and, until a future version. Maybe it won't even come until you know, iOS 12, I don't know. Well, initially it was supposed to be released near the end of last year when the HomePod was supposed to be released because it is a feature that the HomePod depends on. It's the feature that will allow two HomePods to work as a stereo pair. It's the feature that will ensure syncing when you have a HomePod in the kitchen, the bedroom, the bathroom, and the living room, and you want to have a seamless musical experience when you walk from one room to another. But other than that, it's just it seems to be very difficult to get this software to work right. One kind of fun thing that's in iOS 11.3 beta is if you have the iPhone 10, you get some new Animoji. Ooh. <laughs> There's a lion, a skull, a dragon, and a bear that were added. Ooh. Well, I don't have an iPhone 10. Do you? I do not. No. <laughs> I, I have a couple of friends who do. One useful feature is messages on iCloud, which will upload all of your iMessages to the cloud, which means that when you get a message on 17 devices and you delete it on one of them, you don't have to go and delete it on all the others. It'll keep everything in sync. And I don't know why Apple hasn't done this in the past. I find this annoying. I have an, uh, two Macs, an iPhone, and an iPad. And every time I get messages, they all pile up and I have to delete them all en masse from each device every once in a while. And I don't even look on my Apple Watch because I know there's so many there and it's so much harder to delete all the messages too. All right, we're going to stop there. We'll be back next week with more tips and tricks about how to keep your Macs and your iOS devices secure. Until then, stay secure, Josh. Stay secure. Remember, you can save 60% on Intego software by using the code IntegoPodcast at checkout. Hurry, the 60% savings offer won't last long. 
Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to topics and information Kirk and Josh mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where you'll find details on the full line of award-winning Intego security and utility software, intego.com.